0: Hey, y'all, welcome to this week's Pain in the Pod. I was so lucky this week to get to talk to Lindsey Graham, not the senator, but the podcaster, of the podcast American History Tellers. Everybody knows about this podcast. When it came out, it debuted at number one on the iTunes charts. They have something like 11,000 reviews. It's a huge podcast. So for me, not a history lover, I was thrilled to get to talk to him. And within like two minutes, now I'm a I'm history podcast lover. So take a listen to this week's episode with Lindsay and... Uh, pay attention to all the other podcasts he mentions because he's involved in many podcasts, some you've heard of, Dirty John, Dr. Death, but also American Scandal, as well as 1865. There's just tons, and he's very entrenched in wondery, so he's involved in a lot of stuff there. So take a listen to this week's episode with Lindsey Graham of American History Tellers, and there's a bonus episode over on Patreon, so go to patreon.com slash pod and you can hear the extra chat with Lindsay. Thanks. <music> Hey, y'all. Today, I have a super interesting guy as my guest. It's Lindsey Graham of the podcast American History Tellers. Now, y'all have heard me say that I'm not into history so much, even though I do have a minor in history from the University of Mississippi. Shout out. However, I gave this podcast a try. Several people recommended it, and it is so well done, and it's so fascinating. So I think maybe like I like history podcasts now because of Lindsey. So let me tell you about Lindsey. He is a Webby Award winner winning host of the American History Tellers podcast, as well as American Scandal. He's also the executive producer of the audio dramas 1865, which I also recently heard somebody talking about, and Terms. He's a sound designer, composer. He's a podcast producer. He's worked on things you've heard of like Dirty John, Dr. Death, Business Wars, and the lead. He has tens of millions of listeners, you know, through all these podcasts, of course, and he has a production company, Airship, and uh, Lindsay's bio says he seeks to expand human understanding and empathy through audio storytelling. So Lindsay, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure.
0: This is very exciting. So let's talk about the podcast itself. So when did you exactly start the podcast and what was that process?
1: Sure. Okay. I assume we're talking about American History Tellers, because at this point, I have four or five podcasts going. No, but, we
0: are uh, talking about American History Tellers.
1: Right. That was the first big one, but it starts with a smaller one. Uh, you mentioned it, the audio drama, drama terms. Yes. So I was, well, a few years back, I got fired from an insurance company that I was working at, and I was, uh, I was almost glad for it, um, because it pushed me to, to try and make audio a career. I've always been a musician and a composer and, and a producer of, of uh, bands, and, um, and I had this little home studio that I'm talking to you from right now. Uh, so I wanted to see if, if I could make audio an actual business. At the very same time, I met someone who had experience in audiobooks and was also looking to make an audio uh, career. So we joined forces and started working on audiobooks, but at the same time, we, we knew that we wanted to get into the podcasting space. Our first podcast, we decided, would be Terms, an audio drama, a political thriller of sorts. And um, we started writing it in 2015. Uh, and it is a, um, a story about a... Two-term president who watches the rise of a populist ideologue outsider uh, president who who wins an unexpected victory, and um, it we sounds familiar. It, it does sound familiar, uh-huh. and uh, we had no idea what we were uh, in store for because, like like I said, uh, in two thousand fifteen, two thousand early two thousand sixteen, when we were writing it, the whole election cycle had yet to happen. So we got a little bit of notoriety because we we almost predicted the rise of the Trump phenomenon
0: uh-huh wow
1: and so Wondery uh the the very large podcaster now uh took notice of it and uh, decided to distribute it and this was around election election day 2016 uh-huh. so that podcast uh did pretty well for an audio drama
0: totally fiction and you were like predicting the future but you didn't know it
1: right absolutely it's, wow. it's completely fictional but then again, maybe not.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> right.
1: But the one thing that that really started my career in audio and, and as a podcaster was because the terms is fictional. Uh, we have characters, actors playing these these roles, and um, someone had to read the ads, and it didn't make sense to me for the villain of the show to try and sell you a mattress.
2: <laughs> right.
1: So so I I as the creator and executive producer of that show, I stepped in and and wrote and read the ads. Uh it turns out that Hernan Lopez, the CEO of Wondery, really liked the way I read ads. So he called me after actually that company kind of uh I left that company and, and went on my my own way. Yeah. Called me several months later and said, Hey, um, I've got two questions for you. We have this new podcast coming out, and the host can't do the ads because he's a journalist and is, you know, obligated not to endorse products. Got it. And it's called Dirty John. And so uh, I was like, sure, I'll I'll write and read ads. No problem. The second thing he asked me was, uh, we also have this show, uh, a history show that we're working on. And I think you'd be great for it. Would you want to host and sound design it? And uh, of course, said yes to that as well. And so that was how History Teller started. It was just a phone call. We started batting ideas back and forth, and he asked, what should we start with? Well, I think we should start with the Cold War, because at this point, it was the first few months of the Trump administration. And if you remember, uh, we were rattling sabers with, uh, with North Korea over nuclear weapons, and, and mm-hmm. you know, Russia was certainly lording over the political landscape. It felt to me very, very Cold War-ish. Uh, so that was our first topic, and Wondery uh, went and found a fa- fantastic writer, and we kind of shaped the show back and forth over a few months, and uh, we debuted January third of uh, two thousand eighteen, I believe. And uh, just to everyone's surprise and delight, we we went to number one on the iTunes charts.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. For I mean, for a podcaster, that's just unbelievable.
1: For a history podcaster, it's even more unbelievable.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, and so this is interesting to me. So were, were you a history buff before this, or you just sort of dabbled in it, or this was like a dream come true?
1: I, I was a history buff. In fact, I was a history minor as well uh, mm-hmm. in college. But no, I had never uh, aspired to be a history teacher, or a, certainly it was in my list of interests uh certainly i have my passion for history has grown with these shows and and uh but i was never you know i i'm in this in this unique position in which i'm not an expert but i'm uh teaching history and i i always have to be very careful with any of my listeners who who come to me thinking uh, how do you know all this? How do you pick these topics? And, uh, and, and I have to remind them that I'm pretty much learning or relearning much of this along with them. Uh, so I, and I think actually that's advantageous because whenever, I, whenever I get confused, I know my listeners will get confused. So it, it helps in the storytelling.
0: Right. That, that's fascinating because having listened to it and, in- I would think that you are like my dad that I was telling you earlier like knows every detail about World War 1, World War 2, can tell you what kind of plane flew over this with how many seats it had and the seat belts did this and that's why this guy got you know and you're like how do you know this stuff like I mean just look at him like this is crazy. So it's interesting to me that this is not like your number one love of your life is history. In fact, you are a producer and a podcaster with a secondary love of history. So you're you're learning as you go, as you're telling it. That's, that's amazing. Because of the way you tell it, I would have thought it was the opposite, that you were an actual expert on all these things.
1: Oh, I wish I was, but I can't be. There's no way. I mean, uh, some people may know the seatbelt brand of, you know, the P, whatever, you know, fighter oh, right. in World War II. Uh, I, I don't, but, uh, what I, I do instead is have this incredibly broad exposure to the entirety of, of U.S. history. And uh, I don't think without a, without a career in, in academia, can you, Put in the hours to know all these details of all these subjects, Ooh. so it's it's a survey course. But uh, uh, I really enjoy it. So I guess where where my real passion is, and and it's in the mission statement that he read at the top, is that uh, I like I like storytelling, and so I think very hard and work very hard to make the story, whatever it is, it happens to be history, the most compelling, informative, and and you know empathy building thing I can make it.
0: Right. That's that's why. I fell in love with podcasts to begin with. It's the storytelling. And most of the time it's true storytelling, but lately I've kind of dipped into some that are fiction as well, like Wondery came out with, um, blood ties. And that was just like, listening to a play, you know, Mm -hmm. and I haven't been so into that in the past. And now I'm sort of like really into it. So American History Tellers is similar in that you are doing voices and acting. And that's what I was going to ask you is like, how do you decide, for example, if you're going to do the Cold War, or you did the one about Manhattan, how do you decide how you're going to tell the story? Are you going to do the whole thing, just Lindsay's telling it to you? Or a lot of times there's reenactments or you have expert guests. So how do you decide when you, once you come up with a historical subject, how then you're going to tell that particular story?
1: Uh, we have developed a bit of a, a format uh, for mm-hmm. sure that we stick to. And uh, so in every episode, uh, except for the interview episodes, there are these moments, uh, reenacted moments. And uh, I, I play all the characters. Usually we try and constrain it to two or three characters so it doesn't get overwhelming to, to, under- to figure out who's who because I'm doing all the voices and I, you know, I don't really put on accents or anything. <laughs> yeah. But there are these reenactments and they shift the tense of the show. Like the whole show is a history show. So it's, so it's in past tense. But these moments with sound design and more music and dialogue are in the present tense. And that's done very purposefully so that we can tell you that imagine you're a farmer in 1867 and we try and bring you to that moment of a real American who's adjacent to this monumental moment in history, you know, whatever it is and how it affects them, how it changes them, how they change it, this moment in history. And um, I think that that tense shift is, is really important because it makes it immersive, one of the you know, the catchwords of, of podcasting. So we have this uh, this format and it's, we have a, a reenactment at the start of the show. We have a first act that includes one reenactment, a second act that includes another reenactment, and then third, shorter act that also includes a, a reenactment. So four, four of these scenes that we call them, but we try and tell a story across 40 minutes or so. And most of the time, the seasons are topical and and have five or six episodes. And then maybe we'll finish the the season with a, a discussion with a, an expert.
0: Yeah, I, I've noticed that uh, you have, it's seasons, but it's short seasons, you know, three, six, five episodes, you're talking about one particular event. So how often are you putting out these seasons? Because, you know, when I'm looking through the list, I'm like, wow, he's covered so many different things.
1: We're a weekly show. Uh, we, we put out about 48 episodes a year.
0: Wow. Sounds like a lot when you say it, huh?
1: Well, I've got two other weekly shows, so each putting out, you know, 48 episodes a year. So I am a very busy person these days.
0: Man, oh, man. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about American History Tellers, and I want to delve into your other shows as well. We'll be right back.
2: This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Inc.
0: Okay, I'm here with Lindsey Graham of American History Tellers. Now, I was telling you this before we started, but I have a very good friend, Chris. He's a lover and a listener of historical podcasts. And I mentioned to him I was speaking to you, and he got very, very excited. <laughs> so, so Chris, your super fan, uh, who I really thought was going to like come to my house, he was so excited I was talking to you. He said he wanted you to know a couple of things. He wanted you to know he really enjoyed your series on the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire, right? Which I told him I knew about, which he was stunned because I generally don't know things about history, but I knew about that because I heard about it on uh, my favorite murder. Mm-hmm. And also, he was fascinated by your season you did about Dutch Manhattan. Now, Mm -hmm. I listened to that as well. And I did not realize that the Hudson River was named after someone that was Dutch, that that, you know, all these things that happened. Yeah, Yeah, I just didn't know any of this. Right. So, you know, again, you've got like a convert in me. So Chris says, you obviously have some amazing scholars doing the research and working on the scripts. And he said, if he could talk to you, he would want to ask you two things. Number one what are your primary sources? And number two, how do you actually go about your research? Two big right.
1: questions. Uh, they're intertwined. Uh, so at this point, uh, American History Tellers is a, is a machine and Wondery helps quite a bit. So I've got a producer, I've got a, an editor, I've got uh, a writer and, and researchers uh, for every season. So uh, the team will try and find once we pick a topic, and there are many, many topics we're under consideration at any one time, right. we try and find someone who has, who is a subject matter expert and can write for audio, which is a real trick if you've never tried it before. Or we find a writer who we know uh, writes strongly uh, for audio and pair them up with a researcher or expert, you know, it, depending on what we're trying to do. Uh, the sources are are whatever the writer and the expert or the researcher find. Oftentimes, they are popular or very interesting or in-depth books on the subject. You know, if, if we talk about the Dutch Manhattan series, we were very lucky to get Russell Shorto, a historian who wrote the book. On Dutch Manhattan to also write the series so awesome. that you know that was perfect for us because he provided everything every bit of expertise he was a great writer for audio and he was uh, absolutely the expert sometimes it's different sometimes we we use three different you know primary source books and uh, and dive in deeper from there but being completely frank with With one show a week, there's just no way we can do, for instance, original historical research right. we, we don't We don't have anyone in the library unearthing parchment. that just can't happen so it it is a survey course of American history, but we take our research seriously.
0: you know you saying that just jogged my memory as something else He said to me, so I just looked at my phone to see what it was. He says that he knows you used Daniel Orintz. Book Last Call for the series on Prohibition. And he says that you just had so many interesting tidbits that he didn't even see in uh, the Ken Burns series. And he wanted to know, how are you getting these obscure details that maybe Chris, my friend, had never heard before, specifically about the Prohibition series?
1: Right. So, uh, the Prohibition series was Christine Sismondo, was, if I remember right, was the author of that series. And, uh, we found her because she's a, you know, a historian of alcohol Ooh. and, you know, the perfect fit for someone who, who, uh, could write a story, a series on, on the Prohibition. But I think to answer the question is because Christine is actually focused on the actual liquor rather than perhaps all you know a focus solely on the social aspects right. you you get more of her interests into the story which is more what they cut the liquor with that made it poisonous right, right. how industrial alcohol became a poison for the masses but is also uh, encapsulated in the larger social and historical context so we rely on on the expertise of our our researchers and writers to bring out what they think is most interesting and fascinating, and it will often be uh, the details that someone else didn't know or left out because of their preferences. You know, history is just a stream of events from millions and millions and millions of people. There's no way that any book, any study could capture every interesting detail. So there are so many to pick up and, and admire.
0: Exactly. And, and, you know, I think you do a good job of telling the story, but then you also do separately, you do interviews with historians and authors. So you're you're giving sort of a a well-rounded view. It's not necessarily just Lindsey Graham's view, like, I wrote this and this is my view.
1: No, it's not. Uh, I, I want to emphasize again. This is a, a team effort, and uh, uh, there's just no way we could. I I could do everything on my own. If that were the case, you would get 12 episodes a year, and uh, <laughs> and, and and that's just you know no one wants that.
0: Well, it's cool to me to hear because I love all the background stuff about podcasts. It's cool to me to hear about the research and the team that goes behind it. And what you said really struck me is it is very hard to write for audio because I try to write. Uh, before I speak to a podcaster, an outline of what I'm going to say. And then I know other podcasters that write a full script, word for word. And then I've spoken to other podcasters who literally just do bullet points and they just go back and forth with their podcasting partner. So I think it is very hard to write for audio if you're not speaking it yourself. So the way I would write it may not be the way you would speak it at all. So I think that is a, that's a a that would be a tough job to to write audio for someone and then have someone else read it.
1: Yeah. So we work off the fully scripted model. There's just too many details uh, to to riff off of. You know, that's not the type of show History Tellers is. So it's a full script. And um, you were right. There are there are patterns of speech that I have that, that uh, the writer may not accommodate, right? So uh, at this point, I improvise while I'm reading a, a script to make it more my own. I have to be careful not to change the history when i do something like that. <laughs> right, yeah. But we've we've reached a point at this, you know, we we've been doing it for two and a half almost 3 years. So, we know what works and what doesn't, how it works and why it works. And uh so it's um it's a pretty well-oiled machine, but that does not mean that uh, I'm not on the fly changing things. I I absolutely am all the time.
0: Yeah, you have to to make it your own voice and you do an amazing job because no one would know that you didn't write it yourself and speaking yourself. So your, your team is a, is must be a very, very well oil machine to make it sound that seamless. So we're going to take a quick break on that note. And then we are going to talk about other podcasts, I promise.
2: Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that. By increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups, it would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion.
0: Okay, I'm back with Lindsey Graham from American History Tellers. Now, Lindsey, okay, you're involved in many, many projects. So what podcast are you working on right now besides American History Tellers?
1: Okay, so I have three weekly shows right now. History Tellers, American Scandal, and American Election's Wicked Game. Those run every week, and they're all American history shows. In addition, we do the sound design for another history show called uh, Tides of History. Uh-huh. And uh and then uh, we're gearing up for a season 2 of the audio drama 1865.
0: Okay, uh, tell me about 1865 cuz I just heard someone and I think it was I think it was my favorite murder and they mentioned 1865. So tell me what I mean It's obviously about 1865, but tell me, tell me what it's about.
1: (laughs) Well, you might've heard it. uh, You mentioned that you've been listening to Blood Ties and uh, as it turns out, uh, Uh uh, Josh Gad is a big fan of 1865. I was delighted to learn that. So 1865 is an audio drama. It is uh, a full, full cast. Uh, So we have actors, there's no narration. It is a, a movie for your ears, right? And it tells us the story of what happened in America immediately after the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Okay. Most people know the story of John Wilkes Booth sneaking into a theater, shooting uh, the president, then escaping, then getting caught, and that's the end. Right. But the real history from our point of view was what happened immediately after and how that changed the course of the nation. So there is a uh, particular man. Edwin Stanton, he's the Secretary of War, uh, Lincoln's Secretary of War, and at this moment he takes control of the nation to try and hold it together in a, in a an extraordinarily violent episode that that really leaves the country without a leader, without a purpose, uh, without uh, any direction. And uh, and you have to remember also that the the Civil War wasn't over yet. Lee had not surrendered to Grant yet. Uh, So it was very uncertain times. And we follow Stanton as he tries to preserve Abraham Lincoln's legacy and policies through the politics of a new president, Andrew Johnson, who is fighting him and wants to perhaps roll the clock back. It's a fantastic story of intrigue, political machinations. And um, if I can give you one anecdote to to hook people, (laughs)
0: Okay. <laughs> this, is, this is
1: usually the one I do, I provide. Did you know that Robert Lincoln, which is Abraham Lincoln's son, was courting a senator's daughter who was having an affair with John Wilkes Booth, his father's assassin?
0: Okay, wait. Robert Lincoln was dating a senator's daughter, and that girl was carrying on an affair with John Wilkes Booth. Totally true. Now, w- when you say affair, does that mean they were just having a little something on the side or was one of them married?
1: Well, no, uh, they none of them were married. Okay. But this is what we know. So uh, after John Wilkes Booth was, was identified as the assassin, Lucy Hale, the, uh-huh. the, the senator's daughter in question, confessed to her involvement with John Wilkes Booth in newspapers and pleaded for exonerating evidence for her fiancé, John Wilkes Booth. Wow. Yeah, uh, it was the next day. Retracted in a mysterious political maneuver.
0: Uh huh. And they didn't have the internet then.
1: They so. had telegrams.
0: Internet's forever. Wow. Again, you know, I you know, you think you know about stuff because you learned about it, um, and then of course, you know, I live here in D.C. and you know, we've got um, Ford's Theater and all that. All right. Well, that hooked me in. So you did a good job. Good job on that.
1: Yeah, we, we, we've got we've got violence, politics, and sex. It's all there.
0: Oh, my gosh. Let me ask you a question that's totally like this is just a total opinion question because you said the thing about Lee and the war and all that. And, you know, I'm from Mississippi. I'm from the Deep South, and I live here in Virginia now. And I just saw an article yesterday about here in Alexandria, they're probably going to be taking down the last Confederate statue. It's Mm -hmm. right um, at a huge intersection of Washington Street and King Street here in Old Town going towards Mount Vernon, George Washington's home. So, you know, I have young uh, teenagers and they're all, we always call them Norma Ray because everything is a cause and with them and they're like, oh yeah, they totally should take all this down and whatever. Now, my husband's not even from the South. And he was like, yeah, he goes, but the problem is you can't rewrite history. You can't erase it. You can't act like it didn't happen. If you take down a statue, that doesn't mean George Washington didn't have slaves right down the street from where we live, you know? So what's your thought on that about the idea of we can erase history we can change it by taking the sign down in front of Robert E Lee's boyhood home which is right down the street from where i live you know like you can't erase it
1: no i don't think that's the point of of these efforts i mean if there was a statue celebrating slavery right you know in front of like george washington had happy slaves that's an improper statue that's the wrong celebration that's uh, a mistake for a public memorial okay right right the history happened absolutely And there should probably be memorials to Confederate soldiers because these wayward men were the infantry were certainly not the problem here. Uh, They were called to a duty that they felt or they were conscripted or they were poor and needed a job. So there's there's a certain level of the infantrymen uh, that should be remembered. But these monuments to Confederate generals to the Confederacy in general, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think celebrate the wrong thing in a nation that now celebrates and knows and took a hundred years to figure out that, uh, that civil rights is important, that equal rights is important. And these monuments point to a time and an ideology that is opposite that. Additionally, I think you also have to know when these monuments were put up. Uh, they often weren't put up immediately after the Civil War. They were put up in, in periods of, of their own revision of history. Ooh. They are themselves instruments of revised history. They were put up in the 20s or the late 1890s when anti-immigrant and Jim Crow laws were uh, trying to be enforced. They are emblems of a white supremacist movement. Ooh. That was largely their point. So while that sounds strident, all history is complex. And I think there should be celebration and memorial of heritage. But if that heritage includes horrible aspects of, you know, then then you need to confront it and certainly not celebrate it. Right. Uh, what, what is the point of a statue of General Lee? You need to just go to the very basic. He was a great soldier, a, a great tactician. Well, maybe he, he should uh, have a portrait in Annapolis or West Point where they study tacticians and great generals.
2: Uh-huh.
1: You know, we don't have statues of Genghis Khan, uh-huh. uh, also a great tactician in general. And nor do the Germans have a bunch of statues of Himmler or Goebbels who are also pretty good at their job right? Um, because there was underneath or on top or adjacent to them a horribleness that deserves no recognition or certainly not celebration.
0: Okay, that is the best explanation I've ever heard. That well, is thank great. you. <laughs> that No, I mean, I'm just really sitting here taking that in. That's exactly right. You, that's exactly right. You can celebrate, celebrate's the wrong word, but you can memorialize the people that lost their lives in these wars, but you don't need to... Necessarily celebrate what they stood for, you know, and it, it's interesting too about George Washington's home, Mount Vernon. Here, it's so beautiful, and you go, and there's wine festivals there and all this. But when you go, and in every few years or so, I have somebody come in town that wants to go and look at it, and so every few years I go and look at it, and you see the slave quarters and things, and and they do refer to it as like, well, everyone was treated well, and they had these amazing slaves quarters that were so much better than other people's, and you're like, yeah, but still wasn't that great. They still couldn't leave. I mean, you know, you're I mean, you're thinking to yourself, like, how great was it? You know? Yeah,
1: you know, plantation tours in general have the have this problem. And uh I mean if you go onto Yelp and look at the reviews of, of a plantation tour of any of any sort, you will see the right and the left both complaining because one, there's too much talk about the horrible conditions of the slaves, or they've whitewashed it and said that they, you know, the house slaves got treated really well. All all of this is indicates how difficult it is to talk about something shameful. Right. Every American should be able to look back at the, the 400 years that included slavery and the Jim Crow era and be ashamed. That's okay. Most of us did not have any personal involvement in this process, but you can be simultaneously a proud American and look back at, at things that America did and disagree with them. I think an intelligent, nuanced, complex thinking person can hold these two opposite ideas. I'm proud American. I'm ashamed of America. At the same time, you can do it about the past. You can do it about the present. Right. And what that does, thinking about this in a complex, nuanced, 360 degree way, just leads you to make better decisions and understand you and your fellow Americans better.
0: Yeah. And you can see, okay, this is where we came from. This is where we're going. And then, you know, we have things in our present that a lot of people don't agree with as well. And so you want to move forward, but learn from what's going on now. I think, Lindsay, I think you've turned me into a um, history podcast lover.
1: (laughs) Well, I I hope so. (laughs) I had the great pleasure of interviewing uh, David McCullough, a giant in popular history. And I asked him why he was so interested in history. He's made it his entire career. He's got dozens of books. And uh, he came down to the very simple answer that history is human. And that's it. If you are interested in humans, then you are interested in history.
2: Hmm. Yeah,
0: I am very interested. I'm interested in humans and I'm very interested in storytelling. And so that's why your sort of your your mission statement as it is. That's why it really sort of grabbed me because that's what that's why I like podcasts, right? I like audio storytelling, no matter what. I like to read books too, but you, and you know, let me tell you something interesting. People are always like, oh, I listened to this, that book on audio book. And to me, a book is so different. I, and I, maybe it's because I listen to so many podcasts. I'm like, when I read a book, I really want to be reading the book. I don't want to listen to it because I listen to so many podcasts where I know people that haven't read a book in years and they, they listen to podcasts, they listen to XM radio and they listen to all their books. Right. Yeah. So it's a we're in a whole new we're in a whole new world. But but speaking of history repeating itself, it's almost gone back, right? Just like the old time he's sitting around the radio, right? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think about like I, I recently watched Downton Abbey. I'd never seen it before. And when they get that radio and they all sit around it to listen to the king's speech, I think like we're sort of in a little bit in that era now where we're all put our headphones in and we're listening instead of watching so much.
1: Yeah, I I think podcasting has returned to us the ability uh, to just sit around the fire and tell stories. I mean, it's probably older than the radio. We've been storytelling for generations, for eons, for centuries. And uh, most of the time it has maybe some hand gestures, but no visuals. Right. We're tuned to listening and imagining and, and absorbing the story and making it our own. And I think podcasting is just the most modern Equivalent of that,
0: I agree. So, tell me what you're listening to when you have a chance to listen to podcasts.
1: So, uh, I get asked this question often, and I, I have a disappointing answer. Okay, <laughs> um, <laughs> I am in front of a microphone or speakers or have headphones on eight hours a day, sometimes six days a week. So I actually don't listen to podcasts that much anymore. I'm I'm making them too often. Yes. So, uh, when I do listen to podcasts, it's often, you know, kind of market research. A new podcast comes out and I'm like, what, what are they doing? So I, uh, I'll listen to one to kind of catch on what, what their style is, how they're, how they're approaching their subject. But for pleasure, the ones, the ones I I listen to are pretty mainstream. I really enjoy Malcolm Gladwell's revisionist history. Of course
0: you do. (laughs) <laughs>
1: also, I really enjoy Malcolm Gladwell's Broken Record. Um, I love the stories behind the music, you know, uh, that he, yes. he and, and Rick Rubin pull out. I'm trying to think of, of other ones I've I've listened to. I'm going to open up my phone and just look at my uh, podcast. You know, a lot I'm, of
0: podcasters do that. They're like, let me just look at my phone and let me just see. Yeah. And that's that drives me crazy because I don't, I just use whatever is the Apple one. And I, right. I feel like I should find a new way because they don't, always pop up the new ones. And mm-hmm. then I'll be like, shoot, like for something like American scandal, like, I wonder if there's a new episode and I haven't heard it in forever. And I'll be like, there's three. How right. did I miss three? Because right. my stupid algorithm didn't tell me.
1: Yeah. Okay. So uh, this is a good indication of what I listen to. So there's another podcast that, that uh, I really enjoy called 20,000 Hertz. And uh, it is an, a narrative exploration of the sounds around us in the world. So, you know, like the, they'll tell the stories of iconic sounds or, Anything audio related, but it's it's much more fascinating than you than you might imagine. For instance, like overseas, there are these actors who play other actors. They they redub the voices. Oh, so uh-huh. so right. there's the there's the Indian George Clooney, and uh-huh. <laughs> and anytime George Clooney comes out with a new movie, this guy gets hired to do his voice, and everyone in India recognizes him recognizes him as that's George Clooney. So, you know, the, the backstory behind that, or the backstory behind uh, the loudest sound in the world, or what it's like to be in a, and one of those anechoic chambers where there's no sound. Ooh. So it's a fascinating exploration of, of sound. I also listen to um, Script Notes, which is um, John August and Craig Mazers' podcast about screenwriting. And uh, they do a, a weekly kind of chat between the two of them it's well prepared these are <laughs> fantastic experts in screen uh, screenwriting and they they have guests they don't have guests it's you know kind of a grab bag but they're always interesting uh, if you have any interest in in writing for the screen or as i do for audio drama right then i actually just went back and finished startup recently
0: What is startup
1: Startup is that as the podcast that launched Gimlet Oh so when Alex Bloomberg kind of left uh, public radio and wanted to start his own podcasting company back when there weren't any podcasting companies, he recorded his entire journey of trying to build an audio podcasting company. And he, he called this podcast that he was making about making podcasts, Startup. It's a fascinating look into entrepreneurship, but also just the, the naked emotions of, of doing something risky. And uh, and if you don't know, uh, it all paid off because Spotify <laughs> bought Gimlet for two hundred million dollars or something. So they I was they did just well.
0: about to say I think Spotify just bought Gimlet. I saw that. Yeah, yeah,
1: about a, a year ago. And uh, so they the last few episodes of Startup were the telling of the tale of how they sold Gimlet to Spotify. And uh, you know it's it's a it's a good lesson.
0: Okay. Yeah, I like that one too. I'm so blown away by by this conversation, because every time I talk to somebody, I learn something new. And now what I learned is maybe this is why I minored in history in college, because actually I like it. So tell me, we're going to talk more on Patreon, and you can find that by going to patreon.com slash in the pod. But before that, tell everybody where they can find out more about you, Lindsay, not the Senator Graham. And American History Tellers as well.
1: Sure. Well, the best place to start uh, is always Google. You can just Google American History Tellers, American Scandal, put in podcast, and all the stuff will find uh, pop up. Uh, if you want to follow me, uh, I'm on Twitter, um, uh, Semi-Active, and I'm Lindsay with an A, Lindsay A. Graham on Twitter. And also, my profile there has links to all my podcasts as well.
0: Yeah, it does. You have a, you have a great Twitter. That's how I found you to start with. Okay. Thanks everybody for listening. And as always, please let me know what you're listening to and I'll talk to you next week.